Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message. It's always been your love. It's always been, it's always been your love. It's always been your love. At every turn, at every decision, it's your love right there. Every failure, at every misstep, it's your love right there. Holds your echoes, and how it chases me down. And how it pursues us. Oh Lord, it demands my response. Jesus. It demands my response. And that's all I do, Jesus. All I do is respond to you, respond to you. That's all I do, that's all we can do is respond to you. That's all we can do, that's all we can do. That's all we can do, that's all we can do is respond to you. So Lord, we open up our hearts this morning. Oh, we say, come on in. Oh, we say, come on in. Yeah, we say, come on in. Oh, we open the door wide to you this morning, Holy Spirit. Say, come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. It's all that I do, Lord, is respond to you. All that I do, Lord, is respond to you. You initiate every time, Jesus. You initiate every time, oh Lord. You chase me down, you beat me up. So we can do, so we can do to give you everything, Jesus. It's all that we can do. It's all that we can do, it's all that we can do to give it all. Yes, you must. 
There's something very sweet happening in, in the atmosphere today. I hope that you can just capture it and, and, and not rush. Let's not rush when these moments come because God wants to touch us here, not here, here. He wants to touch the heart, not the mind. Just capture what God says. Last week, we started a series on the counselor, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, or in the Greek, the word is parakletos. And it's translated in our Bible as counselor, comforter, our advocate, our helper. And I shared that the Holy Spirit operates in every way as Jesus did on earth. Whatever Jesus did, the Holy Spirit came to continue that ministry on earth once he ascended into heaven. I share that the word paraclete is a compound word of two separate words, para and kletos. Para, that means alongside with us in terms, in terms of being near us, proximity, uh, being close to someone or something. We talked about the importance and the necessity of understanding that the Holy Spirit wants to walk near us, alongside us, that wherever we go, He goes with us. And that <clears throat> literally changes everything about our belief system when it comes to God. Because when we know that the Holy Spirit is next to us, we're going to carry Him wherever we go. He is there. He does not go away. We sometimes go away. When we don't sense the presence of the Lord in our lives, it's not that the Holy Spirit is gone. He's always there. He is carrying you sometimes when you feel like you're like struggling through life and you don't know what's going on. He is the one that's carrying you. You're not carrying yourself. You're struggling through life. It's not according to your goodness and merit and ability. It's the Holy Spirit carrying you. It's God carrying you. And so we talked about how important that is that we understand that there is a necessity for us to walk by the Holy Spirit. Whatever He says, whatever He does, we want to say and do because that is the way that He has ordained it. And we talked a little bit about the fact that uh, we all, at some point or another, are going to produce fruit, right? And the fruit of our lives will dictate what is going on as we are walking with the Holy Spirit next to us. We will produce fruit. So is it good fruit or is it the other side? I don't know how many of you have read Galatians 5 this week. That was your assignment last week. Let's see. Oh, there's a few people. That's wonderful. The rest of you need to go home and read Galatians chapter 5. That was your assignment last week. It's the fruit of the Spirit or the, what? The works of the flesh. Ah, I don't want to talk about those. But go and read Galatians 5. And there's a contrast there. Now you might ask, why are we focusing so much on the Holy Spirit? Why is it? Well, why not? Isn't he God? Hello. 
Uh, we like to focus on God the Father. That's comforting, you know, the Father. You know, it's a good thing. The Son, is, uh, that we're good, Jesus. The Holy Spirit, <clears throat> The Holy Spirit just worked up until the book of Acts, right? And then after the book of Acts went, it, it just stopped right there. Everything about the Holy Spirit just ceased, right? Wrong. Thank you. Why are we talking so much about the Holy Spirit? Because you know what? The presence and the nearness of the Holy Spirit are an absolute necessity for each and every one of us if we truly want to live an effective Christian life. We've gotten so used to live by our own ideals and, and strategies and ways of thinking and getting things done in our own way that like asking somebody else along the journey with us kind of feels strange at times, doesn't it? You know, it's kind of like a single guy that's been, married, that, that's been single for like, you know, 28, 29 years of his life, maybe 30, 31. He's like, he's like, I've done things my own way. I've had my own apartment. I've cooked my own food. I've done my own thing. I'm not criticizing anybody that's not been married, you know, before the age of 30. Don't get me wrong. I just want to make that clear. I'm just telling you that there's habits that you develop, right? The longer you live by yourself, the longer you develop certain habits that are sometimes hard to break when you tie the knot. You know what? God is wanting to tie the knot with us. He wants us to break certain habits that we have gotten so used to carry throughout our lives that it's like, ugh, I need to do that, God. But He wants us to. And so the Holy Spirit is an absolute necessity. Because if we don't, guys, if we choose to live our lives the way that we want to, it is going to be to our detriment. Spiritually, it is a detriment to all of us to live our lives and walk in this life just following our own instincts and our, the things that we might have learned and the things that we pick up in books and what other people are telling us. There is a presence of God. Now, it's important to understand that, and I, I want to make this clear, that the approach that we're taking in this mini-series, which will end the day maybe, I don't know, um, it is a biblical approach. What do I mean by that? Now, if we believe, all of us, believe that the Bible in its entirety, as Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, and they're going to put it up on the screen so that you can see what that scripture says. I think we have it, right? Do we have it? I hope we have it. Yeah, we do. Yay. All scripture, all scripture is God-breathed. That means that holy man of God, right, inspired by the Holy Spirit who breathed upon them, wrote what God told them to write. They brought together in a form of a book, the Bible, God's thoughts, God's words, God's heart for each and every one of us, his bride. And so if we believe that, and we do believe that here as a church, we believe in that balance of 
word and spirit. You've got to have the word of God, but you've got to have the spirit of God. In this scripture, you see that the spirit of God breathed into these men so that the word of God could come together. So there's a beautiful marriage that happens there. If we believe that, and we do, then it means that not just the portions of scriptures that we agree with or that we have grown up with or that we have gotten accustomed to because they're easier to read and easier to, to, to feel comfortable with are the truth. That there is a whole book. That's why Paul the Apostle says repeatedly that his job was to preach what? The partial counsel of God, right? Wrong. He said, I'm going to preach the whole counsel of God. That is this book from cover to cover and the story. So it's important to understand that we have got to be biblical in our approach when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, <clears throat> one more thing to add. Now, we usually put tags on people in groups, right? So we'll say, well, that church is a charismatic church. That's why they're that way. That church is a Pentecostal church. That's why they're that way. And that's a Baptist church because they are, you know, they follow their stuff. And, and, and here's a Methodist church, and they, they do this. And there's a Presbyterian church. They do their thing. I want to challenge us today. Because if we truly believe that we should be believers... Forget us as a church. We, we do have it in our values that we are a church that values word and spirit. You'll see that on our website. So what? Do you believe it? Do I believe it? So if we believe that God is a God of both word and spirit, then the two must coexist together in a powerful combination and demonstration of transformed lives. That is you and me. And so if the Word of God comes, it transforms us. But then also the Spirit of God is released, and it's the Spirit of God transforms us. The two of them are an absolute necessity in order to combine into what God wants to do in our lives. You can't have one without the other if you really want to listen to everything that the Bible says. Now, Jesus spent a lot of his ministry destroying the very thing, the very foundation that I'm talking about. What did Jesus do? He went after the Pharisees. Why? Because they had the Torah, but they also had the Talmud, the book of their traditions. I believe that's what it's called. And so they follow their traditions. Well, on the Sabbath, you cannot work on the Sabbath day. But if you take your servant and go, uh, and, and he can deposit a cloak a kilometer away, then you can stop there, and it's as if you never really went anywhere because that's your possession. So you're allowed to do that. That was in the book of the Talmud. I think it's what it's called. They found ways to get around the Word of God in order to appease their conscience. And God said, you know, he said, Jesus, and Jesus, what did he tell him? Woe to you, Pharisees. He wasn't just being critical to them just for the sake of being critical. It's because he wanted to destroy the very foundations of their religious mindset. 
We have developed more of a religious mindset than we have developed a biblical mindset. We are more religious than we are biblical oftentimes. Now, does that mean that all of us are? No. I'm just giving you, generally speaking, what is happening in our Christianity, in our Christian world today. Jesus wanted to destroy man-made labels because they are a human attempt to get comfortable. I'm going to say that again. His goal was to destroy man-made labels because they are our attempt to get comfortable with God. Instead, what he came to do is challenge us biblically from the Old Testament to every word that he said, and for us from old to new, so that we would become blessed in our uncomfortability. Whenever you feel uncomfortable and you squirm in your seat because you hear something that just doesn't make you feel good, you need to stop and say, thank you, Jesus, because you love me so much. He wants us to become uncomfortable but biblical. And so, John chapter 14 and verse 16 says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor or an advocate or helper or comforter to help you to be with you forever. Jesus went into heaven He ascended into heaven so that he could send us the paracletos, the Holy Spirit, to be with us, to take his place in our lives. Now, the word uh, that we're going to focus on today is the second part of the word paracletos, which is the word kaleo. That paraclete, the root of the word kletos is kaleo, which literally means to beckon or to call. Now, Paul used that about himself in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, where he talked about the fact that he was called of God, and he had been called by God. But Kaleo carries a much deeper meaning, and I want to share that with you today a little bit. It's a, not only a call, but a type of call. It's a call that has a strategic purpose. It is a call that has a specific intent, and it's a call that has a concrete direction. Now, Paul used that again when he talked about the fact that uh, when he wasn't to the road, on, on the road to Damascus, when Jesus spoke to him and he fell off the horse, when God called him, is that same word, or summoned him to do something very specific. And so kaleo is to call someone to something very specific. That is the role of the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, he is called alongside us to, get, to do something very specific. Now, in what way do you think this definition matches the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Now, you might say that the Holy Spirit, and maybe that's the way that we can say it, the Holy Spirit is called alongside us to do a specific work in us for us, for a specific purpose and direction. Or we can put it this way. 
just to make it really plain and clear and simple. The Holy Spirit has a job description. He's got a job description. It's a very clear, specific, detailed reason why. That is what fulfills his job description. So what is his job description in us? I'm so glad you asked. You with me? All right. So first of all, I believe that um, the number one thing that the Holy Spirit does is to help us in times of need. He helps us in times of need. Now, I know that we've all faced times when we've been in the lowest of lowest, all the way down in the pit of despair, discouraged, no one next to us, so disillusioned by life, so disappointed by the people around us, by the circumstances we are facing, things just did not seem to be turning the right way at all. The Holy Spirit is with us when things don't go so well. That's his job. He helps us in times of need. When we feel alone, he is there. When we struggle with despair, he is there. When we don't see a way out, he is there. He is there to help us in times of need. He is there alongside us to help us, to pull us out, to yank us out of despair and into the comfortability of his presence. He pulls us out. Now, when our tendency is to slip into isolation, that's the, 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 the challenge that we face, guys. We can't, when things go, don't go the way that we want them to go, we can't slip into a pit of despair and let ourselves go because that's what it means. It creates isolation. I just don't, I don't want to talk to anybody today. I don't want to be, I, I, I don't want to do a thing. Just leave me alone. Don't talk to me, right? That, have you had that reaction? Come on now. Have you had that reaction at some point in your life? I have. Oftentimes when I'm just like, I've, some days when I've had it, I just, I, I, I want to sit down with me <laughs> and have a good old pity party. But you know what? Isolation oftentimes is a very, the very thing we don't need. We need to cry out to God. I know that that's a perfect world. Look, look I understand it. I understand it. I know that you're thinking about your circumstances and you're thinking to yourself, you have no idea what I'm going through. It's tough to cry out to God. All I want to do is just be in my room alone. Leave me alone. And you know what? There may be times that, that God will say, yeah, that's fine. But when you are in your, in your room alone, when I'm in my room alone, at some point, at least the slightest thought of God has to be there, right? Can we admit that we need him even in those times? It is so hard. It is so hard. In the pit of despair, in the worst of times, to call out to God. But he is there. And he wants to rise us up because the enemy of our soul, guys, wants us discouraged, down, 
talking bad about life. Ah, things will never change. Come on. You know, it's like, what am I going to do? There's nothing I can do to make things better. The enemy of our soul wants us down in the mouth and discouraged and disillusioned. But I want you to know that there's hope. How many of you are thankful for a hope of Jesus and the hope of his presence? And listen to this verse, Psalm 46 and verse 1. I think we've all heard it before. But God is our refuge. And God is our strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble. God is our refuge. A refuge is a safe place. A refuge is a place where you can hide when the storms of life are raging wild and you are about to be shipwrecked somewhere. But you can find refuge in God. God is not only a refuge as a shelter, but he is a refuge like a father. He's also a refuge like a mother. It's the nature of God, nurturing and yet reassuring. He will hold you in his arms when you feel like life is just not fair. When you wish that things would change, circumstances would just move into a different direction. Like, why is it that I'm struggling with the sickness in my life and I can't seem to get an answer from God? Why is it that my loved one is suffering so much and I feel so helpless? God is a refuge. Why is it that I struggle with my finances and I, just, I seem to just be in a hole all the time? God is my refuge. Why is it that I feel angry all the time? I just circumstances, I feel so mad. I feel so mad at people around me. I feel mad at my spouse. I feel mad at my kids. I just want to slap everybody around. God is my refuge. God is my refuge. He is my hiding place. He is my shelter, a place where I can go and hide from the storms of life. You've seen the storms that we've had the last couple of days in Charlotte, right? If you're watching on TV, I don't know where you're from. But here in Charlotte, the last couple of days, man, big storms. Big storms. Streets flooded, trees down, power outages. God can be a refuge when the storms of life resemble what we have lived the last couple of days. That's a hard thing to understand, isn't it? Just think about it for a moment. Can, actually, can God be that concerned? The very, can we put that verse back up, please? The very nature of God being our refuge is the very thing that has to do with the nature of God. God's nature is a refugeing nature. God is what? What does the Bible say? That God is love. Love. 
So love shelters you. Love protects you. Love is a refuge to you, to me. Love, God, same, refuge, shelter, protection. But also God is our strength. And you know what? How many of you realize that sometimes when you're like in the midst of the pit of despair, in order to get up, you need strength. Because you don't have what it takes by yourself. You have exhausted all your energy. You've exhausted yourself. You've exhausted trying to get yourself out of this mess. You've exhausted trying to come up with ideas to get out of the situation that you find yourself in. And so you're like so tired. I have no strength. I can't get up. What do I do, God? I am your strength. God is telling you today, I am your strength. I am not only your refuge where you can hide from the storms of life, but I can give you the strength that you need. I can give you the strength that you need. But then he says, I'm an ever-present help in trouble. That means that he's always there. His nature does not change from one day to the next. God doesn't get up from the wrong side of bed at any time, never does. There are some days on Monday that I get off the wrong side of bed. You may want to ask my wife. Especially on Monday, say, yeah. After today, I just need like, whoo, quiet. I need to lock myself in a room and say, okay, I need isolation. Not always. I'm thankful for a, a patient wife. Aren't you thank you, thankful for a patient wife that I have? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Not talking about your wife. I'm talking about my. Thank you for being so patient. He is an ever-present help. That means that regardless of the circumstances or the times when you face your circumstances, if in the middle of the night you are woken up by just terrors and nightmares, he is there. He is never going to leave you. Jesus said, I will be with you until the end of the age. That means that every single age of your life that you will face in your 10s, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 100s. I hope that everybody lives to be 100. I hope that I look as good as Bill when I get to be, what is it, 59, Bill? That's about that. Um, I pray that in every circumstance, in every age of my life, that God will be there. And I want you to know that God is there in every circumstance of your life. What are you facing today? What are you facing in your life that you have declared, I cannot overcome? What have you declared with your mouth and said, I will not overcome this. I can't get out of this mess. What have you said and uttered with your lips that is an untruth about God? I want you to know that there is absolutely nothing 
that God cannot do, that the Holy Spirit cannot do. Why, you say? Because he was there when the trouble started. He was there before the trouble started. He was there after the trouble started. And he'll be, continue to be there. He was there when your children became rebellious. And he'll be there when your children will walk again with Jesus. He was there when you had tons of money in your bank. And then he was there when you made some poor investment. And lost it all. And he'll be there when he blesses you again. God's record. He has got an amazing track record. That's why we can trust in him. That's why we can put our faith in God. Because he has proven himself to be true and faithful time and time and time and time again. And then time again and then time again. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He will never abandon you. I don't care if your parents abandon you. Your heavenly father will not abandon you. If you have gone through circumstances where your friends have turned their back on you. You know what? God will never turn his back on you. When you have trusted and you put your trust in somebody. Whether that was. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was a, a family member or, or uh, a friend, someone that you grew up with, or even a pastor, a leader of a church. We know how to make a very good mess. And sometimes we leave a trail behind us. But you know what? It does not matter to God because He wants to be with you today, right now. He wants to meet you today, right now, right where you are. I kind of knew this morning the Holy Spirit was just going to just take everything and just say, I want to do what I want to do. What do you want to do? And so I said, God, I want to do what you want to do. So pretty much nothing that I shared is part of my sermon, but it's okay. Because I believe that the role that the Holy Spirit has, the role of the Holy Spirit to be the one that helps us in times of need. I want us to sing that last song that we did, Reckless Love. Because you know what? God wants to wreck us with His love. He wants to wreck us with His love. And he wants us to be surrendered to him more than we are to our religious activities. God is our help. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. I know that there's more. There's more of us. Whatever it is. I know it takes courage. I want you to know if you're new here, we're a family. We don't consider ourselves a church in the traditional sense of the word because we want to be a family more than a church. That means when you are with a family, you tell things that are just hard to talk about sometimes, right? You know, you come out and you just... You be yourself. So I want you to feel 
to, to feel absolutely 100% free to be yourself in this moment. And that means that if you need to kneel down right where you are, you do that. If you need to come, these, are, these altars are here for a reason. We don't put chairs on purpose. Why? Because we love to spend time with Him. I love what somebody said, that the pulpit will pull you out of the pit. But the altar will alter your life. We need time with God. That's what that means. So before we sing that song, whatever the circumstances are, take a stand. Right, right where you are. If you're young or old, doesn't matter to God. Don't let pride get the best of you. Somebody told me some months ago, because you know what? When you made that call, the Holy Spirit just kept nudging me saying, stand up, stand up, stand up, and I didn't. But I knew that God was calling me. He says, maybe next time. You know what? Isn't that wonderful that God is a God of grace and He is calling you again? I don't know if that's the same circumstance or not. You know who you are. But whatever that is, God is here right now. the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.